This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn my back to you right now. And if you want to go on your own, then walk off and leave. If you want to stick together and make this thing work, when I turn around, we're going to shake hands and we're going to go on a rock and roll like the rockers can do. They need each other. You know that. Sounds fair to me. He's not going to walk away. They need each other. Welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 64, and it is a solo episode about the themes of the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Now, a lot's been said about Shawn Michaels over the years, because there's a lot to say about Shawn Michaels. He's very prolific in terms of his career, in terms of his matches, his influence, his notoriety in some cases. Obviously, I'm going to focus on his themes for today, but I figured I would share my feelings on Shawn Michaels overall first. I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan, and I have been since the beginning, because Shawn was part of the first match I ever saw that hooked me in and made me a wrestling fan. And Sean was one of the first guys I ever became attached to. Him, Undertaker, 
RVD, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero. Those were my guys. Those were my heroes. Shawn Michaels was a hero to 10, 11-year-old Andrew. Why? Because he was the good guy who fought the bad guys. And that's what kids like. And no matter what, whether it was the Triple H feud, or the Edge feud, or the Kurt Angle feud, or the McMahon feud, or, or whatever, I was always rooting hard for Sean to win. And even when he lost, which was actually quite often, I just thought that, hey, I'll root harder for him to win the next time. But, but, the thing about being a big Shawn Michaels fan is that eventually you have to discover that Shawn Michaels, the hero wrestler, and Michael Shawn Hickenbottom, the real-life guy, they're not the same. Because for many years, Shawn Michaels was an incredibly entertaining wrestler. Talent for days. But outside the ring, backstage, in his real life, Shawn Michaels was... A giant piece of shit, okay? There, there are plenty of stories, a cornucopia, if you will, about Shawn Michaels being a giant piece of shit. The hissy fits, the bullying, the click, the sunny relationship, the Montreal screw job, the backstage fights, refusing to lose to certain wrestlers, the politics and the bullshit, as Vince Russo once aptly put it. Now granted... Those things happened during the 90s and early 2000s, when Shawn Michaels had a pretty bad drug problem. And being high on drugs, mixed with that natural ego and natural petulance, that's going to make for a pretty nasty combination in the personality department. And thankfully, Shawn, he did get clean and sober, and he's a much better guy now than he was back then. But still, it's hard to reconcile the fact that this guy that you admire and you love to watch they spent so many years being someone who was just so hateable. You know, that's where the whole can you love the art but hate the artist debate comes in. And that's where the music comes in as well. Because almost all of Shawn Michaels' entrance themes are rock and roll. And rock and roll is a world where you can have a guy who is moody, self-destructive, toxic to other people, a real mess in his personal life. But you put him on stage, in that massive arena, under those bright lights, that electric aura buzzing through the air, and all that stuff just melts away. And he performs like a golden god. That crowd of 20,000 people, they're not going to care about who the guy is backstage. They're going to care about the performer in front of them. And for many years, that was who Shawn Michaels was. He was the white hat. And he was the black hat. We're going to start all the way back in 1986 in a little promotion called the AWA. That's where the Midnight Rockers got their first big break in wrestling. Sean had started wrestling in 1984. And he started teaming with Marty Jannetty in 85. And then in 86, they went to the AWA and became known as the Midnight Rockers. Their theme song by Judas Priest off of the album British Steel. This is a song that actually inspired the name, The Midnight Rockers. This is Living After Midnight. Living after midnight. 
So it's no big surprise that Sean and Marty are coming out to a rock song. They're called the Midnight Rockers, for crying out loud. You know, it's in their name. And like I said, rock and roll is going to be the main course for Sean's entrance music for his entire career. With one glaring exception that we'll get to later on, uh, Sean's music will be rock and roll. And looking at Sean and Marty as well, of course, rock is kind of the only course of action you can go with, I think. You've got these young, fun-loving pretty boys, full of spunk, full of energy, colorful tights with the fringe. In the ring, they've got this fast-paced style to them. They're in their 20s, in the 1980s. They're not coming out to Burl Ives. They're not coming out to Johnny Paycheck. They're coming out to a kick-ass rock song. Living after midnight, rockin' till the dawn, lovin' till the morning, then I'm gone, I'm gone. That's the rockers. Wrestle a match, stay up late, party with the boys, get down with the girls. Next morning, you get up, and it's off to the next town to do it all over again. Was that the gimmick? Sure. Was it also indicative of real life? Absolutely. <laughs> Sean loved to party, as did Marty Jannetty. And if you look at his Facebook, Marty Jannetty is still partying to this very day. You know, it's got to be kismet, I think, that a theme song for Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty would have the word loaded in it a bunch of times. I took the city about 1 a.m., Loaded. Loaded. I'm all geared up to score again. Loaded. Loaded. I mean, there's on the nose. Then there's on the nose. And that's on the nose. Or maybe it's up the nose. Wink, wink. But hey, hey, I'll reiterate here. This is supposed to be a fun song. It's a party song. It's praising, not damning. Maybe not drugs specifically, of course, but more so that late-night lifestyle. I come alive in the neon light. That's when I make my moves right. So, looking back, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of foreshadowing as to what the 90s would entail for Shawn Michaels and far beyond that for Marty Jannetty, of course, but in this context, hey, they're just having a good time. One more thing about Living After Midnight it was actually used at one point in the WWF as well. It's on YouTube. It's The Rockers on an episode of The Wrestling Challenge from June 88. They come out to Living After Midnight, and then afterwards they go back to using their actual WWF theme. So a little fun fact for you there. And speaking of the WWF, in 1988, the Midnight Rockers left the AWA and they joined the WWF. They actually had previously joined the company in 87 for a very brief run, but they were fired because apparently they liked to party a little too much for the WWF's liking. Go figure. But now they're back, and they're here for a proper run, and the WWF slash WWE will be Sean's home for the rest of his career. The Midnight Rockers name was shortened to just The Rockers, and they got a new theme song. This is off of the album WWE The Federation Era. It's by Jimmy Hart and JJ McGuire. It's called Rock Out.
production isn't the best here. Uh, you know, a lot of these mid to late 80s, early 90s WWF themes, they're not the most pristine sounding songs in the world. So apologies for that. But regardless, it's another rock song. Uh, a pretty straightforward, simple song based entirely on J.J. McGuire strumming a few chords on a guitar really fast. There's a little flourishing in there with one of the solos, but for the most part, it's fairly basic stuff. Reminds me a lot of the Ultimate Warrior theme. This little guitar and drum song that doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles to it, but at the same time, it's effective because it gets you pumped up and it works for the character. I mean, the rockers are still the same guys, just with a different name. And sure, this song isn't as fun as Living After Midnight, and it doesn't have those late-night party vibes with the lyrics either, but for a song that matches the intensity and the velocity of the rockers, it works. Actually, speaking of vocals, did you know that there is an ultra, ultra, ultra rare version of Rock Out that has vocals on it? It was only released on a WWF fan club cassette tape called the WWF Superstars Theme Music 2, and it's out of print now, and I can't find a clean version of it anywhere, but if you look up on YouTube, the Rockers versus the Fabulous Rougeos from the Wrestling Challenge, May 21st, 1989, you can kind of hear it. Of course, you've got commentary and crowd noise over it, but still, it's there. And yeah, that's really all there is to the Rockers theme. Not much to hang your hat on. I suppose the last thing to talk about is where the Rockers theme song ends up, so to speak. Because eventually, the Rockers do split up. Sean gets a new singles theme, and he's off to the races on his big singles career. Marty, on the other hand, still has the Rockers theme. And try as he might, he can't and won't be as successful or big a star as Shawn Michaels is. That's why when a tag team splits up, the better, more successful guy is referred to as the Michaels. And the not-as-good, less-successful guy is known as the Janetti. And I think Sean getting his own theme song and Marty sticking with the Rockers theme speaks to that. One guy is climbing up the ranks and paving his own way on the singles road, and the other guy just hasn't managed to take that next step. It reminds me of the most recent Best of the Super Juniors, where Sho came out to this new chiptune singles theme, and Yo still came out to the Rapunky 3K theme. Now, Rapunky 3K are still a team. They're not splitting up anytime soon. And I'm not saying that Yo can't be a single star like we're all predicting Sho to be. But, you know, one guy gets a singles theme, the other doesn't. I think it says a lot right there. Now, I mentioned that the Rockers eventually split up, and we'll get to that soon. But before we do, I want to take you to Japan. Because in 1991, the Rockers had a series of matches 
in the Japanese promotion Super World of Sports, SWS, which during its brief run was a partner promotion for the WWF. So if you ever wondered how Genichiro Tenaru and Koji Katao ended up at WrestleMania 7 against Demolition, there you go. The Rockers in SWS, they had a different theme song than their normal one. This is by Ozzy Osbourne off of his debut solo album, Blizzard of Oz. It's the big song, y'all know it, Crazy Train. This is a song that the Rockers could obviously not have had in the WWF because by this point in time, the WWF had moved away from using commercial songs and focused pretty much entirely on in-house production from Jim Johnston and Jimmy Hart and those kind of guys. Same with WCW because this was around the time that the WCW Slam Jam album came out, which had all those in-house themes on it. Which was a smart move, and a natural one as well, because you save a lot of money by just making your own themes. Now, the smaller companies, the independents, places like Mexico, Japan, they're still using these commercial songs. Hence why the rockers could come out to Crazy Train in SWS. As far as the song itself goes, it's odd. On the one hand, again, it's a rock song. You've got the late great Randy Rhodes on guitar with that iconic riff, the charismatic Ozzy Osbourne behind the mic. You hear it at sporting events all the time, people chanting along with the I, I, I part. A perfect overall sound for an entrance theme, of course. But if you look at what the song is actually about, it's a different story. According to Genius.com, the subject matter of the lyrics is the Cold War and the fear of annihilation that existed during this period. The song is saying that political leaders manipulate the thoughts and feelings of the masses for their own greedy and destructive purposes. The mass media then spread those lies, creating mass hysteria. Crazy, but that's how it goes. Millions of people living as foes. Mental wounds not healing, life's a bitter shame. One person conditioned to rule and control. The media sells it, and you live the role. Does it really match up with Sean and Marty the Rockers? Woo! 
a bit mismatched, I'd say. Also, the line going off the rails on the crazy train... Look, I don't mean to hammer you guys over the head with a, ooh, that's a prescient line right there gimmick, but, I mean, you know. This is Sean and Marty we're talking about here, okay? They know a thing or two about rails, if you catch my meaning. How's the kite, everybody? Goofballs! Drug innuendo aside, we move ahead to January 1992. The Rockers finally split up. They had been having tensions for months, and then on that infamous edition of Brutus Beefcake's Barbershop, Marty Janetti, that coward, dove through the window to get away from shot. No, I'm kidding, of course, I'm kidding. That was the classic Bobby Heenan line. Sean super kicked Marty, and he threw him through the barbershop window, which to this day remains one of the more iconic team-splitting-up, heel-turn moments in wrestling. I mean, this signaled, without a doubt, the end of the Rockers and the beginning of the Shawn Michaels heel singles run. He was now the heartbreak kid. But despite what a lot of you may think, he did not come out to the song Sexy Boy at first. No, no, no. His first singles theme post-Rockers was actually one that he used very briefly for a few weeks after the heel turn. It's by the classic composer George Gershwin, and it's one of his most famous compositions, the 1924 piece Rhapsody in Blue. So remember when I mentioned earlier that there was a glaring outlier in the collection of Shawn Michaels themes? Here you go! This is it! There are no guitars, there are no drums, no rockin' good time, no Ozzy, no Rob Halford. It's orchestral jazz. It's this old-school, romantic, melancholic song. It's slower than Shawn's other themes are. It's centered on the piano which is not the case with Sean's other themes, sounds very much like the Laura Palmer theme from Twin Peaks to me, you know? Oh, Angelo, that's beautiful. Oh, that's tearing my heart out, Angelo. Sorry, I had to get that in there. But, you know, it's a complete 180 from what we've had before or will have later on with Sean's themes. This isn't young, sweaty, wild rock and roll. This isn't the late-night party anthem. This isn't a sexy boy theme. This is classical. This is respectable. It's austere. It's high culture and classy. And the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, he's none of those things. He's 26 years old. 
He's a pretty boy Lothario douchebag who is cocky and arrogant and shakes his ass. He's audacious as all hell with the sunglasses and the big earrings and the jackets and the broken hearts on his gear. He is not a classical music man. He is a rocker. Even after he left the rockers, style-wise, aura-wise, he was still a rocker. Now, I can see why they probably gave this to Sean. His gimmick is that he's, you know, the obnoxious lover boy. Here is this romantic song that could be construed as obnoxious based on the genre of it. Maybe Sexy Boy wasn't finished yet, so they needed this as a placeholder. I get it, I do. But still, you can't just give any old romantic song to Shawn Michaels. He needs a specific type of quote-unquote romantic song. Rock. It has to be a rock song. Classical and Shawn Michaels don't mix at all. Narcissist Lex Luger? Absolutely. Blue Blood Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Sure. But Shawn Michaels? No. Luckily for Shawn Michaels and for all of us, Rhapsody in Blue does not last long because in March of 92, Shawn gets a new theme song to coincide with him getting a new manager, Sensational Sherry, who was in love with Shawn Michaels and his good looks. And she let all of us know that because she sang the lyrics to his new theme song. This is also from WWE The Federation Era. It's by Jimmy Hart, J.J. McGuire, and Sensational Sherry. This is the original version of Sexy Boy. Sexy Boy. We all know it. We all love it. It's an iconic theme song in wrestling. And maybe some of you haven't heard this Sherry version of the song. You only know the Sean version of it. Musically speaking, they're pretty much the same. And musically speaking, Sexy Boy is the perfect theme for the Heartbreak Kid gimmick. It's this 80s mix of guitars and keyboards background singers in the chorus doing the sexy boy, a scintillating guitar solo. This is heartthrob music. And Shawn Michaels is a heartthrob. He's John Bon Jovi. He's Corey Hart. He's Rick Springfield. The chicks love him. The guys want to be him. And he believes it too, because this is very confident sounding music as well. It's got that steady driving beat to it. This is music for a guy who acts like he's the cock of the walk. You're not running out to this music. You're not trudging out. You're strutting out. You're showing off the goods, like any good rock and roll heartthrob would do. 
because you're the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. You're the best looking guy. You're the best athlete. Your career's on the rise. Who wouldn't want to be you, let alone be with you? And that exuberance and that that confidence is felt all throughout the song. As for the vocals, like I said, I'm sure that there are many of you out there who have heard the Sean version a million times, but you haven't heard the Sherry version. And yeah, it can be a tad jarring to listen to at first. You know, Sherry isn't quite Pat Benatar in the singing department, but really, that's the point. Sherry wasn't the delicate little flower with a cute voice. She was a screeching, maniacal badass. You don't expect her to be a great singer. You expect her to beat you up. And besides, her and Sean are heels, and her annoying vocals play into that. Lyrically, again, it's perfect, because it's Sherry just gushing over her man Shawn Michaels, and how good-looking he is, how sexy he is. I think he's cute. He's so sexy. He's got the looks that drives the girls wild. He's got the moves that really move me. He sends chills up and down my spine. He's just my sexy boy. I mean, you could go so far as to say that the very beginning of the song sounds like Sherry having an orgasm for Shawn Michaels. Oh, oh, Shawn! That's what it sounds like. I mean, this song is just one big love-slash-lust letter to Shawn Michaels from Sherry Martell. And, you know, it's all believable. It's all believable because that's the gimmick for both of them. Sean is the super vain guy who would believably have a theme song that just feeds his ego nonstop. And Sherry is someone who is just so in love with Shawn Michaels that she would sing his theme song and be so gushing and be so loving towards him. It all makes sense. Which, if you think about it, means that Sexy Boy, this original version of it, isn't just about Shawn Michaels. The second version is, of course, which we'll get to soon, but this first version is just as much about Sherry as it is about Sean. She's the one singing it. The lyrics are coming from her perspective. He's my sexy boy. He makes me hot. He makes me shiver. Eat your heart out, girls. Hands off the merchandise. This is from her point of view. Which means that this is not just a Shawn Michaels theme. This is a Shawn Michaels and Sherry theme. It's about their relationship as opposed to being just about Sean's character. Hence why when Sean and Sherry split up in 93, this theme song goes away. And Sean gets a new one with his own vocals on it. Because it wouldn't make sense to have a song that's about the relationship between Sherry and Sean without Sherry. You know, it just, it wouldn't make sense in that regard. Before we move on, I I would be remiss to not mention Sexy Kurt. Back in 2005, Sean was feuding with Kurt Angle. And to dig into Sean, Kurt, on an episode of SmackDown, brought out Sherry. And together, they sang a new version of Sexy Boy, all about Kurt Angle, called Sexy Kurt. Sexy 
Shot eat your heart out. Hands off the merchandise. Woo! Ah, that's tremendous, Cole. I mean, come on. Kurt Angles. That's almost phenomenal. I think I'm cute. I got gold medals. I got the moves that make them all tap out. The angle slam, the angle lock. Marty Jannetty still can't walk. I'm just a sexy Kurt. Sexy Kurt. I'll make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. I'm just a sexy Kurt. Sexy Kurt. I'll make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. That's right, Sean. Eat your heart out. <laughs> I mean, that is just great stuff right there. You know, I, I rest in peace to the late, great Sherry Martel. And you know what, Kurt Angle, you're 100% right. It's 2019, and Marty Jannetty still can't walk. Sorry, Marty. Well, the first version of Sexy Boy lasts about a year, from March 92 to February 93, which is around the time that Sherry stopped being Sean's manager. And like I said, it wouldn't make sense for Sean to still have a Sherry-centric theme after Sherry's gone. So Sean gets a new theme song, one in which he himself is the singer, and this song will be Sean's theme for the rest of his career. From the IC title reigns, to the Diesel Alliance, to the world title reigns, to his retirement and commissioner role, to his second run there after coming back from retirement, to his second retirement, and, and beyond. Everything is with this version of Sexy Boy. This is off of WWE Anthology. It's by Jimmy Hart, J.J. McGuire, and Shawn Michaels. It's the second and best-known version of Sexy Boy. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the look. The drives are cool. While I've got the mood. That really move them. I said chill. Up and down their spine. Just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I make them hot. I make them shiver. Their knees get weak. Whenever I'm around, they see me walk. They hear me talk. I make them feel like they're all cloud nine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I'm just a sexy boy. So musically speaking, it's the same song as the original, which makes sense because it's not like when Sherry left, Sean became this completely different character that needed a new theme song. He was still the same guy. All that really needed to be changed was who sings the song and the lyrics. So Sean is now on vocals. And I wouldn't necessarily call what he does singing. He pretty much just says the lines in an arrogant inflection. But that's okay because, again, he's an arrogant guy. Even if he doesn't actually sing, as long as he gets across his attitude to the audience, I think it works. Lyrically, again, not all that different. It's practically a word-for-word copy from the Sherry version. The big difference, though, is that the perspective has changed. In the Sherry version, it's from the third person. She is talking about how Sean is so sexy and makes her go crazy. In the Sean version, it switches to the first person. He's talking about himself. I think I'm cute. 
I know I'm sexy. I got the looks that drives the girls wild. I got the moves that really move them. I send chills up and down their spine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy, toy. I, 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 me, 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 me. And what's great about that is that it ups the arrogant factor significantly. It's one thing for Sherry to be singing about how Sean is so good looking and so sexy and makes her hot and whatnot. It's another for Sean to say all this stuff about himself. You know, he's already cocky enough as it is in the ring and on the mic, but for him to sing his own theme song and proclaim that he is so sexy and he drives all the girls wild, not just Sherry, all the girls, including yours, you're going to think, wow, this guy is an arrogant son of a bitch. He's coming out here with ostentatious ring gear and this smug look on his face. I can't wait until Bret Hart shuts this guy up, or Razor Ramon, or Tatanka, or whomever. So it was definitely a smart move to have Sean sing his own theme, because it won't matter who he's paired up with. Diesel, Jose Lothario, DX, whomever, it'll work, because Sean is 100% the focus of the song. What about when he turns face? Well, it'll still work, because it's a really catchy song. You know? Arrogance be damned, if it's catchy, it'll stick. And stick it does, because as we flash forward to today, 26 years later, Shawn Michaels still has Sexy Boy as his theme song. It's probably one of the longest tenure themes still going in wrestling today, which is pretty remarkable. In fact, I read a story once about Jimmy Hart where they asked him which one of his theme songs was he most proud of. And he said Sexy Boy because Sean had kept it alive after all these years. And as to that, Sean, when he came back from retirement in 02, WWE asked him, hey, do you want a new theme song to something, you know, more contemporary, something heavier? And Sean said no. He wanted to keep Sexy Boy. And Jimmy Hart was very appreciative of that. Of course, there is a downside to coming out to Sexy Boy after all these years. That's what I like about these wrestling themes. I get older, they stay the same age. Listen, it's 2019. Shawn Michaels, God bless him, he is no longer sexy. And he's the furthest thing from a boy. There is just something so disconcerting about seeing a mid-50s Shawn Michaels, bald, graying beard, lazy eye, bopping out to sexy boy. Now, I'm not throwing shade at Shawn Michaels for getting old. We all get old and ain't always pretty. But it's still a weird thing to see. I mean, it's weird to see a bald Shawn Michaels in general, you know? I mean, for me, I'm still not used to it. And I don't know if I ever will be used to it. All right, we'll move on to the next song here in a second. But before we do, there was an unused version of Sexy Boy that was released on WWF The Music Volume 2. And it is a trip and a half. Like they're all clouds now, I'm just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. 
the music has been modified somewhat. You'll notice that instead of the guitar-keyboard combo, it's a guitar and saxophone combo. The background singers have changed as well. And the guy singing the song puts a lot more stank on these vocals than Sean does. Now I've heard a billion people and their mother say that that is Vince on vocals. It is not Vince. It sounds like Vince, but it's not Vince. And overall, this is just... It's a much sassier version of Sexy Boy than the previous two versions were. But that said, it's a little too much for my liking, I think. It's a little too over-the-top, a little too sassy. So I'm glad that this remained on the album only, because I don't think it would have worked for Shawn Michaels as an actual theme song. Well, the last theme of the episode here is one that has already been played twice on the podcast. First for the X-Pac episode, then for the Triple H episode, and now the third time's the charm for this episode. It is the theme for D-Generation X, the stable that Sean, Triple H, China, and Rick Rude formed in 1997, and Sean would actually get kicked out of the group in 98, but then he would reunite with Triple H in a mini-DX in 06, in 09, and one more ill-fated attempt in 2018, which is best left unmentioned, I think. This is by Jim Johnson and Chris Warren off of WWF The Music Volume 3. This is Break It Down. Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! You can tell me what to do You know who you're talking to So I've kind of exhausted most of my talking points about this song in the X-Pac and Triple H episodes. I'm not going to go on a, a whole big spiel about this one like I did with Sexy Boy because I've already done so, you know, twice already. But I will say that Sean's character motivations here have clearly changed with this song. With Break It Down and with DX, Sean has grown beyond just being the sexy boy, beyond just being the heartthrob, the Lothario. He's still obnoxious as all hell, but now that obnoxiousness is being channeled in a new way. It's not vanity, it's rebellion. Now he's going up against the man. He's going up against the system. He's being controversial and crass and telling people to suck it. You think you can tell us what to do? You know who you're talking to? Still arrogant, just in a different direction. But then again, even though I say he was now anti-authoritative, you look at the line, bow to the masters, that did come to fruition because there was that sweet spot between Survivor Series 97 to WrestleMania 14 where Shawn was the world champ, Triple H was the European champ, 
they brought in the New Age Outlaws as the tag champs. DX were like the top dogs for those five months. They were, for a time, the masters of sorts. Not the authority, but they were still quite dominant until Sean had to retire. And you know, looking back, 97-98 DX Shawn Michaels really wasn't all that different from 97-98 real-life Shawn Michaels, was he? Or 96 Shawn Michaels? Or 95? Or 94? You know, it wasn't that big of a stretch for him to portray that character. He was just as much of an annoying asshole backstage as he was on screen. But in any event, those were the themes of Shawn Michaels. Uh, like I said, Shawn would have Sexy Boy as his main theme, leading all the way to his retirement match against Undertaker at WrestleMania 26, which was incredible. Really a perfect ending to his career, something that most wrestlers never get. You know, a, a classic main event on a big stage like WrestleMania that is widely praised by wrestling fans everywhere. If you're going to go out, that's the way to do it. And true to his word, Shawn Michaels has stayed retired. He stuck that landing and he said, that's it for me. I'm done. I'm hanging up the boots. Ric Flair, Terry Funk, Mick Foley, they all had big send-offs and they all came back. But not Shawn Michaels, no sir. Any money you can offer him, he'll refuse it. He is never going to wrestle again. And I commend him for that. That's how I would have liked to have ended the show. I would have liked to have ignored the fact that almost nine years after that perfect ending, a 53-year-old, bald, gray-bearded, lazy-eyed Shawn Michaels took the money and he came back and wrestled. But not just any money, Saudi blood money. For a tag match with a 49-year-old Triple H against a 53-year-old Undertaker, and a 51-year-old Kane. It wasn't good, folks. It wasn't good at all. It was bad. And after the match was over, Shawn Michaels told everybody, that's it, I'm done. That hunk of flaming dog shit was my last match ever. That was the actual closing chapter on Shawn Michaels' career. And honestly, what stings the most is that we should have seen it coming. We should have seen it coming. After all, they don't call him the heartbreak kid for nothing. And that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can check out all of the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can find the YouTube playlist for this and all past episodes at the VOW forums. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Folks, that's it for me. I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys.
is over. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.